Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. Uh, We're starting a new series today. Uh, It's going to go all summer long into September long weekend called You've Got Mail. And we're excited because one of the things that we get to do over the summer and one thing you should watch for in the weekly email is that we're going to have what you can be reading coming into Sunday uh, where everyone on the teaching team is going to be going. Uh, So if you miss a week, you're like, oh, I can catch the message online and I can read the scriptures and I can study it for myself because you know, sometimes in summer you have a little more free time on your, on, on your side. So, you know, why not actually open your Bible and study and see what God says for yourself? It's a good thing to do. And uh, it's just going to be good. And today I was supposed to bring the introduction uh, to, to First John. And I was like, okay, great. Introduction Sunday, long weekend Sunday. And then you start studying and it's like, oh my gosh, Grandpa John. You're just saying all these nice things, but they're riddled with theology and ins and outs of how to deal with certain situations and all of these things. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to read the first chapter, and then uh, we're going to get into it. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 10, it says this, okay? Everybody ready? Anybody got a paper Bible in the room? Oh, Wow. That's amazing. Uh, It's on the screen. If you don't, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this. The one who existed from the beginning is the one who we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is Jesus Christ, the word of life. The one who is life from from God who was shown to us and we have seen him. And now we testify to announce to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father And then he was shown to us. We are telling you about what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy will be complete. This is the message he has given to us to announce to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not living in the truth. But if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Jesus Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our Hearts. If you want to write down a title for the message today, you can write down, let me tell you something. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that your word is alive, it's powerful, it's active. And God, when we let it uh, plant into our hearts and into our lives, it will cause growth and fruit. And so, Lord Jesus, we just ask that whatever we encounter today with your word, it would move from our thoughts and our head into our heart that you might be able to produce in us the kind of life you've called us to in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen do you remember when you were young and some of you are still young but for some of us when we were really young and 
you got a letter in the mail. Like, that was only for adults. That was for grown-ups and, and people who had bills, you know, who got letters in the mail. Like, I don't even like checking my mailbox anymore because if anything comes in the paper mail, it means I owe somebody money. That's the only thing that comes in paper mail now. But there was a time, I remember as a kid, that, man, if you got a letter from someone or someone wrote to you, they took the time to write to you, and it was a friend you can see. It was exciting, and you wanted to read it, and you waited for it, and you anticipated it, and now we've kind of moved on. We're like, yeah, we get letters all the time. And then email came along. And do you remember when getting email was exciting for the first time, how quick it was, how instantaneous it was. Now we all just get triggered because when our phone dings and there's an email there, all we have to do is read the subject line and decide if we need to be discouraged or not, right? Like that's what email's kind of done to us and, and everyone wants an answer yesterday and they, they want to, uh, you know, talk about something or they want to tell us what we did wrong or all those things or maybe that's just pastors, that's the emails we get. I gotta say at Glory Hills, we're very great because I don't get any, if many, of those emails. But when it comes to the subject of you've got mail and, and there's something waiting for you and there's something that you can anticipate, I think a lot of times we, we've heard that before, we've been there, we've sat through messages, we've, we've kind of been around church for a while for some of us and we're like, hey, I want to tell you something, there's something I want to talk to you about. Uh, kind of like children with older parents or grandparents who are like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Like, you know when your grandma or your grandpa grabs you and like, sit down, I want to tell you something. And you're like, I just want to go do anything but this. And they're just insisting. They're like, I want to tell you something. I, I want to talk to you. And you're like, I came to the lake to have fun, Grandpa, not sit with you and listen to stories. But John, when he writes this letter, he's at a place in his life where he is an old man now. He is the last of the living apostles who walked with Jesus. And he begins to pen and write these letters. And he's saying, hey, little children, this is how he addresses everyone. He goes, I want, to, I want to tell you something. I want to talk to you about something. And the interesting thing is, is when he opens the letter, we read the whole first chapter. He doesn't even introduce himself. Like Paul and a lot of the other apostles, they're like, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a bondservant, and they, they say who they are and all this stuff, so their authority carries weight behind it, and John's like, I'm not even going to write my name at the beginning of this, and we don't know why that is. We think maybe it's he wants us to take to heart what he's saying more than who it came from or the importance of that. Maybe the church has gotten enough letters from Paul and they're a little bit triggered, so he's like, let's just get right into what I want to tell you about Come on, if you got enough letters from Paul, you're like, John's like, I'm just not going to sign my name and let them kind of work this out and hear the good things that I want to tell them. And, and he, he begins to write, and he writes in this very simplistic way, like a grandfather talking to a grandchild and saying, oh, I just want to talk to you about some of these things. And even as I began to study and look into this, it's like, it seems so simple in that forward-facing language, like God is light, and in him there's no darkness, and I want to write to you because we have joy in, in the gospel and what Jesus is doing, and it seems so nice, and Grandpa, this is a nice story, but when you actually look at the text, it's riddled with deep theological truths, a retelling of uh, foundational things of the gospel, because in John's day, he knows that his voice is still needed because there is a swaying away from that which is true, from that which people need to know about who Jesus is. And, and so John 
starts writing and he thinks maybe my voice is just familiar enough. They're going to know this is me. And we're in a time in history where John is living in Ephesus. Jerusalem has been destroyed. All the apostles have been scattered. The church has been scattered from the day of Pentecost and Acts. And so now there are churches in different places. And, and, and John kind of settles down in Ephesus. And it's interesting that he's writing this because, well, one, he's the last of the living apostles. And he's kind of trying to bookend some of this stuff with the gospel. And then he goes on to write Revelation. But also it's interesting that John starts writing now because after the day of Pentecost, Peter and James kind of start taking leadership of the church. Peter takes the, the church of Jerusalem. Peter starts, uh, he starts uh, preaching on the day of Pentecost. He takes his leadership role. Peter, we see very much through the book of Acts, is involved with Paul and Silas and Timothy and, and the Jewish believers. And, and James becomes the uh, pastor of one of the largest churches. And then Ephesus gets planted and, and Timothy is there eventually. But what we find out now is after all that scattering, John, the apostle John, the disciple who Jesus loved, one of the three, Peter, James, and John, who were there at the transfiguration that saw Jesus glorified. He's writing, and he's like, guys, I, I haven't left the scene. I kind of just was in the background, and it's almost like he was just this steady father in the faith that it's like, I haven't gone anywhere. I've always been here. And he's the person you wanted to listen to because of this life of faithfulness, because of how he walked with Jesus, and, and he's seen a whole lot in his life. And the one thing we need to know about John is even though he maybe took a, 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 a role in, in the church at that time that wasn't out front like Peter or James, he was definitely one who knew Jesus. Like the other disciples wrote about him, and people wrote him, the, the disciple that Jesus loved like there was a closeness, there was a knowing of God, there was something. And John was able to transfer to people a relationship with Jesus that maybe a lot of other people didn't understand. He saw the church scattered. He saw friends leave the faith because of new doctrines that were blowing this way and that. And they were distracting the church and causing people to stumble. He saw false teaching rise up. He saw that things were only getting a little bit harder for the believers to walk in truth and in the love of God and the wholeness and fullness that God had for them. So as an old man in Ephesus living there, he's writing and his phrase that keeps coming out over and over again is little children. Learn to love one another. Learn to have the love of God in you. Learn what it is to walk in the truth of God because the love of God is not so touchy-feely as much as it is about walking in truth and grace and the perspective of who God really is. And, and this is his message. There's even this story uh, where some writers would say that even in his old age when he was too weak to preach a whole sermon, he would make the elders of the church carry him to the front so he could still encourage the believers before the message. And he would say, little children... Love one another. And, and there's these rumors that even the church began getting tired of it. John, why do you do this every week? He is because if you could learn to love each other, because you can't do that without having the love of God in you, without knowing Jesus, you'll have everything that you need. 
And, and this was the legacy that he left, and this is what he starts talking about in this book. And so when we take this big overview over these next 10 weeks, what are we looking for? What are we talking about? If we want to learn to walk with Jesus, to know who he is, to live in the love of God, to live in the grace of God, to love others the way God loves us, we're going to have to learn to uphold the truth. Because there are doctrines, there are things, there are, are, are things that people are trying to break the faith. There's false teachings, there are things that can distract us. And, and it's as if, as if John is saying in his old age, he's like, guys, I know it's summertime. And I, I know we all want to take a break. And, and when Pastor Brett and I were talking about, like, how do we frame this for all our locations? Like, how do we frame, what does this look like? It's like Grandpa John's at the cabin and he's saying, hey, before you go out on the boat, before you go to the things you want to do, all this stuff you're going to enjoy, he goes, sit down and let me tell you something. Because I have stories and knowledge and wisdom that's going to carry you through whatever you face in this life. But you need to be willing to listen. So church, I just want to tell you today that over the summer you've got mail. There is something that God wants to deposit in your heart, something he wants to strengthen in you. And as we go through all of these things, it's almost as if John is saying to all of us, let me tell you something about Jesus. And he's not frantic like the whole like Instagram reel, like, you know, let me tell you something, let me tell you something. He's not worried about it. He's like an old man. He says, no, 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 just sit down. I want to tell you a story. I got something. I know something that you don't know. I know something about Jesus that you need. And with a, with a calmness and the spirit that only a father can bring, he says, sit down and let me talk with you. Because I want to show you something about this Jesus that maybe you haven't seen before. It's almost like John saying in his old age, he's like, if I'm going to talk to you about anything, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. And I was telling Larry this earlier, I was like, I want to become a person that when I'm 70, instead of being so critical and upset of all the things that are going on, because like we all face those things, we all have likes and dislikes, you know, uh, if you haven't met me before, um, I'm a pretty opinionated person, I like things a certain way, but at the end of the day, do I like talking about Jesus and leading people closer to Jesus more than I like the things that I like, or the stuff that I like? And John's like, we could get into a whole bunch of things and how I was, should have been this great apostle or I am or this. He goes, no, no, I don't, I don't care about anything about that. I just want to talk to you about Jesus because I'm still in love with him. I still know him. I still know that there's more to know about Jesus. And yet, in, in the basic writing that seems so simple in this letter, he starts settling a deep course of the fundamentals of the Christian faith so we can keep, hold, guide, and direct our lives in God's love. Because it's actually the love of God that will actually lead us in the truth which breaks darkness. And when we go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, it says this. It says, we are writing these things so you're, that so you may fully share our joy. Now, a lot of believers have taken John's writings and the letters uh, that he wrote and Revelation as like, Oh my gosh, the world is going to end one day, and it's doom and gloom, and revelation is scary, and beware of antichrist, and all these things. And yeah, he talks about those things. But this was his message. I write to you so you may live fully in joy. 
that your joy may be full. He's bringing us back to a place where the gospel is not a gospel of doom and gloom and destruction and the end. The gospel is about the peace and joy of Jesus and how we can live in it and walk in it through anything we have to face. And that's accessible to anyone who would come to Jesus and experience that joy. This is what he wants to do. He says, I'm not writing you these things so you get worked up and worried and scared. You need to know about them. But I want you to remember that your portion in Jesus is peace and life and joy. And when you walk close with Jesus, you don't have to succumb to deception or antichrist or all those things. He goes, you can live in the love of God. You can love others with the love of God. And you can experience the joy that God has for you, both on this side of eternity and in the one to come. There's so many church people and believers that are just like, well, it's getting bad. Time to die. Come back, Jesus. And I'm excited for eternity with Jesus too, but I think God wants us to be able to enjoy our families and the people we love and his grace and his goodness while we're here. Yeah, it's difficult sometimes, but he doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's right there beside us. And so we got to bring our focus back to, yes, we got to be aware of some things. Yes, we got to grow in some areas. But man, when we follow Jesus and we stick close with him, there is life and there is peace and there is joy in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the difficulties. Why? Because God is good and he made it so we can live in that relationship with him. The gospel is about the joy and peace of Jesus, not fear, dread, and the sorrow of the world. And if I could tell you three things today that I believe John would want us to know, just from this first chapter, because this is just like getting started in the book, an introduction, and uh, if it's not enough for you this week, uh, Larry will be preaching next week, and he can, he can teach you everything in the beginning of chapter two, you know, and uh, But what I want us to know today and what I believe John would want us to know, the first thing that he brings to our attention when he says, hey, I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. Let me talk to you about who Jesus is. He's bringing to the forefront of our mind, the first thing he would want us to know is this, is that Jesus is divine, but he's also so down to earth. Because people usually see Jesus in one light or the other. Jesus was just a good man and a prophet and someone who did good things and he was totally earthly. Or they see Jesus was just the son of God and he couldn't have been fully man. And John's saying, let me remind you of something. He is so divine. He is everything that we need, but he is so down to earth because he is real. And a lot of believers got into this thing, well, it's all spiritual or it's all natural, and, and John's saying, no, it's both. This is the glory in the presence of God, made flesh, he lived among us, he dwelt among us, we saw him, we knew him, we felt him. First John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 says this, it says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, divinity, but then he goes, whom we have heard and seen, reality. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. That's the same word used for the word of life that's in the gospel of John where it says the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and and this is talking about Not only we've seen him in the flesh, but we saw the transfiguration. We saw the glory of God. We beheld the glory of God. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. So John keeps going back and forth. He goes, he's divine, but he's human. He's present, but he's 
omnipresent. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed with us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important? See, because a lot of times we put Jesus in this box, and we see him in his humanity and the miracles he did on the earth, or we see him as divine and the Son of God, and we disassociate that. Can Jesus relate to us and our humanity and the things we go to, or can we relate to God because of his divinity, and how can we ever have relationship with a God who is holy and just and totally all-powerful? And we come to this place where John, it just seems like he's opening a letter and it's just grandpa talking to you. He's like, let me tell you about this Jesus I know. He was the word of life. Talking about his divinity. And and they're like, grandpa, come on. And and it seems like, you know, you ever listen to, my grandma's not here today, right? Uh, You never listen to your grandparents and you're like, do you know what you're talking about right now? And they do. Because they've experienced something that you haven't experienced. And he's saying, I've experienced in my relationship with God that I'm something I'm trying to pass on to you. But you won't believe it till you encounter him for yourself. This is why church being generational is so important. One generation to the next should play, proclaim the wondrous works of God. He reveals himself. Each generation should set their hope anew on God, it says in the Psalms. Why? Because they need to know and encounter God in the way the generation before them has. Because without a reality of that, you're just living out a religion and a set of rules. But John's saying, let me tell you something about the Jesus I know. He's fully God, but he was real, and he walked with me, and he talked with me, and he lived with me, and I, and I saw the holes in his hands when Thomas doubted, and I, and I felt him physically, and he was here, and he was real. You see, John's the last living apostle, and there's murmurings and stuff going around now saying in the church and, and in this new brand of faith and these offshoots of Christianity saying, well, was Jesus just allegorical and spiritual and a teacher talking about these things, or was he all of this put together and John saying no no I was there I heard him teach I heard what he said I received the instruction personally I walked with him and he's saying guys don't ever forget that he is divine and yet he is human and he is personal John chapter 1 verse 14 says this it says that we have seen his glory John chapter 1 14 we got that up there if not I don't have it And the divinity and the personal reality of Jesus is actually so important for every believer. But the second thing that I think John would want to tell us and say to us today is this, is he would say, guys, when it comes to Jesus, when I'm talking to you about who he is, I want you to know that not only is he divine and down to earth, but he is powerful, but he is present. He is so powerful. He is so incredibly gracious and good and has authority over all things, but he is so personal and present that he wants to walk with you closely. You know, the reason he's saying Jesus is real and he's down earth because they believed that Jesus was not dead and someone who was divine became human, died and stayed dead. He rose from the dead and John's saying he's alive, he's real. He will walk with you, talk with you, speak with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the relationship with the son that you get to have. And now he goes into verses five to seven. He says, not only is he divine and down earth, he's powerful and he's presence and it's his presence that's going to produce the love of God in you. 
Because if you think you're going to produce the love of God in you by following a bunch of rules and reading them out of a book, you're sorely mistaken. Because just because you read something, it doesn't mean it becomes who you are. But when you experience God and the presence of God and that relationship with God uh, becomes a part of you, you begin to produce the things that God calls you to and you begin to walk in them. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 7 says this, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When I read this verse, okay, and I see these graphics, how many, where are my people at? DC Talk, in the light, 99, come on, raise your hand. Like that's, I mean, that was like youth group on fire, okay? And uh, sorry, that's just where my brain goes, because I'm old, okay? Um. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is what John is saying. He's saying, guys, don't forget in all of this stuff going on around you that Jesus was God, but he is a personal being. He wants a personal relationship with you. But then he leans back into his, he is powerful, but he is present. If we talk about Jesus being in the light or Jesus being the light of God, light is powerful. Jesus is powerful. And this isn't just talking about Jesus being a light or a prophet or a good person. This is talking about Jesus being the light of God. This is John saying, I'm not just talking about a nice little story. Oh, Jesus came, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And, and this, is, this is the good news about Jesus. No, no, he's saying Jesus is the light of God. That when there was darkness and in the beginning, God says, let there be light. Light came and it pushed back the darkness. When Jesus was in the world, he said, I am the light of the world. It was one of the I am statements. This is not a, I'm a nice idea, I'm a nice person, you should do the nice things that I tell you to do so you become nice people and we create a great little social club called Christianity and that's all we do is nice things. He goes, no, no, no. We learn to live in the light because the light of God is Jesus and light pushes back the darkness. Light overcomes sin. Light actually exposes and shows us how much we need Jesus. This is the light that not only expels the darkness, but it actually has power to expel the sin, the shame, the brokenness from our lives if we will let it. The light isn't to condemn us, but it's to call us to live in that light. Because when we live in the light, when we live honest about our sin, when we live honest before God about who we are without him, it says his blood is powerful and his presence comes near. That if we draw near to God, he draws near to us. We confess our sins, he's faithful for, to forgive them. So the light of God exposes our need for Jesus, but it also expels the sin and darkness from our lives by his grace and his blood. He covers us so we can live and walk in the light of God and have relationship with him. It says that it allows us to live in God and to have fellowship. Now, fellowship's an old church word. We used to talk about fellowship time after the service. 
let's go downstairs afterwards to the fellowship hall for some snacks. You know, those are things when you grew up in church, you heard. I don't say those things because we don't have a fellowship hall downstairs. It's kid's space. And, but the thing about fellowship, why the word was so popular, because the Greek term was koinonia, and it was this fellows on a ship that when you were in a boat with someone, you had to trust each other. You had to get along because that ship doesn't go very far or make it through many storms when you don't work together. And this is the picture of the church. The Bible says that if we confess our sins and if the light of God exposes them, we can have fellowship with one another, but also fellowship with God. Now, this was a crazy idea because there were a lot of people like, okay, we can be nice people. We can try and learn to get along. We can have fellowship in the church, and then when we don't like some people, we can go tell them to find a different fellowship. But, you know, come on, that's kind of funny, but not really. Some people call it church plant. Some people call it church split. Sometimes they're a little bit of both, you know, all of those things. <laughs> Just getting real here today. But the idea of John says, this is how we have fellowship with the Father. Wait a minute. Grandpa John, what are you talking about? Just how you want good, close, personal relationships with the people around you and if people you can count on and people you can trust, God wants that type of relationship with you. This idea of fellowship with the Father Coming out of a priesthood where only the leading priests and the high priests in a certain month, in a certain time, could serve their turn and come before the presence of God, John's like, no, I knew a real Jesus in a different way, and yes, he's divine, and yes, he's holy, and yes, he's powerful, and yes, his blood cleanses us from all sin, but the light also exposes our need for him, and it calls us into fellowship, into a deeply personal relationship with a God who loves us. And he says, church, if I want you to know anything, I want you to know that God, just as much as he is powerful, he desires to be present in your life. And when God is present and you have a relationship with God, it changes you and you learn how much he loves you and it produces the love of God in you so you can love others. And then John will go over and over again and say, little children, love one another. And he knows it's impossible without the love of God in you. I'm just going to be honest, in my humanity, there are some people that are very difficult to love at times if the love of God is not in me first, because the love of Pastor Jeremy runs short sometimes. You know it, and you're thinking of a person, but then you just pray for them. Just like I'm praying for the person who stole our barbecue last night, and uh, Lord, let them have a great barbecue today, and whoever they're with, let them experience Jesus. But what I really want to do is have Officer McKinnon find them and prosecute them to the full extent of the law. (laughs) Because I feel hurt that we keep getting broken into on the property. But when we come to the place first where John's like, understand the power of your relationship with Jesus is not only personal for your sin and your shame, but it brings you into such a relationship that it should change the way you are towards others. And so John says, hey, let me, let me tell you something, church. God is so big and he's divine 
but he's real and you can experience him and you can talk with him and you can know him and you can feel his presence. He's powerful, but he wants to not be powerful so you feel like he's so angry at you and wants to expose your sin and your shame. The light will do that, but it's so you see your need for him and he says, do this. Understand that when the light exposes you, it's simply so you know there's a door open to have a personal relationship and to access the presence of God and walk with Jesus and know that your sins are forgiven. And he starts by this and then he ends on something very critical to the whole book. He ends with this third idea that I think he wants us to know and that's this. He says it's important to remember the divinity and the real nature of God. It's important to remember his power and his personal desire to be present and walk with us and have relationship with us because of this. I believe if Grandpa John were here today, he would be saying this. He would be saying, I want you to know that false teaching and false believing is going to lead to false living. And that's a dangerous combination. It's like he's sitting with children and people and saying, son, daughter, grandchildren, God loves you. He's so powerful. He wants to be so present. His light will expose the sin in your life, but it's not so you have to live fearful and ashamed. It's so you can experience the grace and the covering of the blood of Jesus and you can have a relationship with him. But be careful because false teaching and false believing in these new ideas that are swirling around that say it's all okay, you know, if God is love. Because he's, John's probably the first one saying and hearing from people, well, John, you talk a lot about love. That's not very loving. He goes, yes, but there's a difference between experiencing the love of God and letting the love of God give you license to live in darkness and sin and however you want. And false teaching and false believing is going to lead you to some pretty dangerous living that's going to put a distance between you and your heavenly father. And in verses 8 to 10, he writes this. We'll have the band come back up, please. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So why is this so important? Because Grandpa John is watching a church, even in the earliest days of the church, face an ever-growing threat of Gnosticism, New Age beliefs, half-truths, false teaching that are leading people to an idolatry and a system of God that was not the Word of God. And it's no different than what we experience today. And he said, what I want you to know is how big and how great and how good God is. And it seems like this really nice welcoming chapter. Grandpa's talking to us. And he says, but I want you to know that false teaching and false believing is actually going to lead you to some destructive patterns. It's going to lead you down a road that isn't good for you. See, Gnosticism found its roots in Ephesus and it was saying that there was a higher revelation that after Jesus and the descending of the Holy Spirit, there was a second revelation of the Holy Spirit that said actually we're not born sinners. 
Actually, man is inherently good. And this flew in the face of all the doctrine and theology of the Word of God that said man sinned and was separated from God. And the new idea, this new Gnosticism, this knowledge that was greater of God was saying, no, 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 we're really good people and, and God loves you anyways. And these false half-truth doctrines started leading people like, oh, so I don't have to worry about the way I live. I can do whatever I want. And they didn't realize that these destructive patterns and the things that they were doing were taking them further and further from the love of God. And they'd say things like, well, love is love and it's all good. And, and who cares if this and that? And John's saying, well, you can choose to believe whatever you want, but if you don't come back to the truth, it's gonna lead you to a place where you find yourself far from God, full of brokenness, full of half-truths and things that don't work out in the end because we have to come back to a place where there is truth. Anytime there is a claim to a higher revelation, a new truth, a higher spirituality, we actually start embracing idolatry as the church. We start opening the door to darkness and to things that lead to destruction. And it's only the truth of God and living in the truth of God and the true love of God that ha He has for us that will cause us to overcome this. And so a lot of people want to go and say, well, God is love. And yes, God is love. But sometimes we love love more than we love God. Because we do so many things in the name of love, but then we don't make love subject to a God who has the authority and the ultimate say in what love looks like and what truth is. And the love of God will lead us, the Bible says, in all truth. The love of God will lead us to not defraud our neighbor. The love of God will lead us to not kill, steal, destroy. The love of God will lead us to life full and a life more abundant. The love of God will cause us to lay down our lives, to die to ourselves, and live for others in a way that Jesus lived for us. And John's saying, guys, I just, I just want you to know, God's big, he's divine. He's real. He wants to speak with you. He wants to get to know you. He, he is powerful, and the light that exposes you is so you can find healing and grace and forgiveness, and you don't have to walk in shame, and you can live in the light of God. But he says, if you start taking these wrong beliefs and these things saying, well, I don't really have any sin. I'm just, I'm just going to cover it up. I'm a good person deep down inside, and, and the Bible says, he who covers his sin will not prosper. But those that confess their sin, they turn to the Lord. He will abundantly pardon. And John's saying, just be aware that false living comes because of false teaching and false believing. 1 John 1.9 talks about the faithfulness of God. And when we confess our sins to him, He's faithful and just to forgive us. And, and, and the gospel is not there to be like, you're so bad and you're so horrible and we keep throwing that in people's faces. He says, no, no, I just actually want to give you a chance to turn and live. Live the life that I have for you. Because if you go around thinking, well, it's not really that bad and this and that, God's like, if, you, if we could get honest with ourselves and say, my sin is gonna hurt my relationship with God, so Jesus, would your light expose it I will confess it because I know you'll forgive it and you'll lead me forward. Like in the early church, he's like, church, you gotta stop going around saying as Christians, you're better than other people. Let's be honest. We are sinners in the need of a savior and we walk out our life 
by the blood of Christ. The, the, the Bible says that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So don't we, you don't walk around telling people, well, I'm a Christian now. I'm better than you and this and that. And I'm so righteous and I'm so holy. No, no, no. I'm becoming the righteousness of God because of what my Savior did for me. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus because I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. And when I confess my sin to God, he covers my sin, he covers my shame, and he leads me forward into the life that he's always had for me. So why don't we stand this morning? So as we take this journey over the next couple of months, just to get us started, I believe that Grandpa John would just want us to know, don't forget how incredibly big and great and good Jesus is. He's the beginning from the end. He's the author, the finisher, but yet he is so intimately desiring to be personal and present and you can feel his presence and you can hear his voice and you can encounter him in your life and you can walk with Jesus that he is so great and so big that even though he is the light that even expels and exposes darkness that light if we will let it can actually cover and push back our sins so far from us so we can live in a personal relationship with our heavenly father that we were created for we were created in his image God desired to be close to us but sin separated and as we remember these things there's a fight for truth and love and the grace of God to understand it well so we live according to his plan and his purpose and I just want to read a quote by David Jackman who wrote a commentary on 1st John and he said this he said today and this was in 1986 by the way he wrote this quote but I think it rings true now more than ever. Today we are in danger of reflecting the existential philosophy of our society and not challenging it. That is why we Christians so often, so often base our judgment and conduct on our personal feelings and experiences rather than on God's revealed truth. It's why we're conditioned by subjectivism rather than by a great objective realities of God and his word. John does not attempt a detailed analysis or critique of the error. He has no need to do so. He proclaims the truth in the characteristic apostolic confidence that where the truth is declared and believed, error will be undermined and ultimately collapsed. See church, our job is not to scream and shout and attack and and cause the downfall of error and doctrines and societies. Our job is to declare the truth and to know our God and what his word says and where the truth is declared and where it's believed and it's walked out in our hearts. The wickedness, the error, the things that are trying to come and break and attack, they will collapse. But we need to know our God. And John would be saying this to us today. I just want to tell you something about Jesus. I just want you to know him like I know him. Because if you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, you're going to love one another and you're going to be okay. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you. 